I'd ask you to turn with me, please, to the letter of James in chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 8. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And the subject before us this evening is drawing near unto God. Drawing near unto God. And in the context at this particular part of the letter where uh, James is giving warning and exhortation, comes this blessed and encouraging message and instruction and exhortation under the inspiration of uh, the Holy uh, Spirit. James gives very helpful guidelines in the preceding verses as to steps that we must take and we need to take in drawing near unto God. And there is no greater need for us this evening than to be found amongst those who are drawing near unto God. But we cannot just walk into God's presence just as we are. We are sinners. God is a holy God. And he is an all-consuming fire. And so there must be a way. And there is a way whereby this evening we can draw near unto God. The first point I would like to make to you this evening is that we cannot come to God with our, our, our own CV, our own letter of commendation unto God that speaks about our own goodness, our own works, our own skill, how beneficial it would be for God to take us into his family, our own importance, our own works, our own ideas, our own philosophy. Actually, in coming to God, it's totally different from that. Actually, if we're going to speak about a CV, SCV, as God sees it, and he will read it, because he reads our hearts, actually reads more like this. Oh, I am a sinner. I am unworthy. I am unreliable. I am prone to wonder. And yet the wonder of it is, is that God already knows. And he still calls you to come just as you are, looking unto Jesus. So we cannot present ourselves, as it were, to persuade God to receive us. When I was uh, had the privilege of ministering at the tabernacle, uh, assisting Dr. Masters, we had uh, a plumbing job that needed to be done in the house in which we'd moved into, uh, and I got speaking to the plumber one day, and he heard that I was a minister, and he started talking. He said, this is the, how it's going to be with me, he said. When I get to the end of my life, and I have to meet God, and I acknowledge there is a God, but he said, I'm a very good talker, and I shall speak to God, and this is in his imagination, and I will persuade God what a good chap I've really been. 
I'm a very persuasive man. And that is the, the, the thought that he really had in his mind. That he could actually persuade God uh, to consider what a good man he really was. But it, it does not work like that. There is a protocol. There is a procedure that is based upon the foundation of God's favour and grace freely toward needy sinners. And in drawing near unto God, there are steps we must take before God will draw near unto us. Because we've read in our chapter this evening, friends, that God resisted the proud. There's no good being, no good being proud of our self-righteousness and our works and how clever we are. God sees us as we are. And so that, that's not the way we can draw near unto God. But there are steps and they provide for us the essence of what we call repentance. That is, being sorry for our sin and our condition and turning in a different direction unto God by faith. There is a pathway that we can walk in to draw near unto God. So the first step is for us to understand what is our position before a holy God. We actually are enemies by nature before God. James tells us that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. We may not realize this, but this is the truth of God to you this evening. You may have not have ever heard this text before or considered this text before, but if you are uh, walking in a way of worldliness and your home is in the world, as it were, and your heart is in the world, it's a very awesome position to be in because actually it makes you an enemy of God. Who will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And that is what we are by nature. We're not born a friend of God. We're actually born an enemy of God. That is, we're born a sinner. We show our enmity by nature with God. By our friendship with the world and with sin. How is this evidenced? I'm not thinking here so much about the outward signs like drink and drugs and immorality, although that is obviously included, but rather when we focus our minds and our hearts on earthbound things alone. And we have this very fixed mindset. We have this very narrow view of life. It's just about time. I live for time. I live for this world. I want to get the most I can out of this world in the time that I have here upon this earth. And we live without recourse to God. And James again in his chapter speaks of this. He says, uh, those, that you, those of you that say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a city, will continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. We are the Lord of our lives. We do as we want to do. We don't seek God about anything in our lives. We make our own decisions. It's all about me. Well, uh, when we live our life without recourse to God, 
when we, our desires are so taken up with the cares and concerns of this world alone, when our lives are lived independently from God, our decisions are taken according to our wisdom, and God has no uh, uh, part and relevance to our thought process and our plans. Know ye not that friendship with the world, worldliness, a worldly attitude, is enmity with God? So the first step in our pathway this evening to God is to understand that God is holy and all-seeing and all-knowing and we are unholy. We are impure and by nature we are enemies of God. Whether we are outwardly or whether we are inwardly and nobody need know mentality, a secret rebel this evening by nature, we are an enemy of God. And James continues uh, in verse 5 to warn us about the real need uh, to be uh, real about our situation and understanding about our situation. Oh, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, that God is just using vain words? That this is all a myth? No. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Oh, there is an answer we're going to come to, but at the moment we're considering our situation. James speaks of an indwelling spirit here, a spirit that is now dwelling in a person that is speaking about the old nature the fallen nature, the nature that we were born with. So the first step then is to understand our position. We are enemies by nature before God. Now why is this understanding of ourselves so important this evening? It is so important because it's true, but it is so important because without this understanding of ourselves and our condition, we will have no value for the Lord Jesus. We might just recognize him as a, a good person who lived a good life. And we might even say he lived a perfect life. But Christ crucified will mean nothing to us. Why do I need Christ crucified? If you don't think you're a sinner. And you do not think you're an enemy of God. Christ came into this world to save sinners, friends. He didn't come to save the self-righteous. He said clearly, I have not come to save the righteous, but sinners to repentance and so uh, we need to be uh, 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 wise in our understanding of ourselves under the uh, blessed influence of the Holy Spirit who convicts us well Christ came to die for sinners but you know when Jesus Christ came to this world to live the perfect life and to go to Calvary to die for sinners he did so knowing we were enemies of God. Now isn't that wonderful? That knowing our condition, knowing our state by nature, knowing our inner rebellion, knowing the sins of the past, the present and the future, knowing as the Son of God all about us, he was the perfect man, God made man, the Son of God made man, living this perfect life, but he went to Calvary knowing that he was laying down his life for enemies. 
When we were enemies, Christ died for us. And when we come to God, and we draw near to God, repenting of our sin and of our enmity, that we have lived as a rebel against God, and we plead the wonderful truth that Christ died for sinners, Christ died for enemies. Knowing our condition, Christ died for sinners. The word of God says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us this evening, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul reminds the church at Rome, those that have been truly uh, saved uh, by grace. This is amazing grace, is it not? Christ died for his enemies, for sinners. And as we come in repentance, awakened to our sin and our condition, understanding our condition by nature that we are sinners, the Lord Jesus says something wonderful this evening. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're heavy laden with sin. You've been awakened to your guilt and sin before a holy God. And you see, I mean, if you think about it with your human mind, you'd think, oh, God would reject us. Wouldn't want to even look at us. But no, it's not like that. You are the very person for whom Christ died, a sinner. And you come just as you are. The second step is to humble yourselves before God. Verse 6. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble, the grace of forgiveness, the grace of reconciliation, the grace of knowing God, the grace to draw near unto God, knowing that we can come to him through the Lord Jesus. Here we are told that far from God coming near to proud people, he resists them. They are not welcome into his presence. He will not fellowship with proud people. Pride is a great curse. It dates back to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, as we read in the book of Genesis. The lie was given by Satan that by disobeying God, you will become as God's yourself. And he fed the evil of pride. Pride is our biggest enemy. It deprives us of the biggest blessing that we can ever receive. But God gives grace to the humble friends. He resists the proud. Because grace and pride, humility and pride are opposites. And God through his grace in Christ Jesus, as we come to him in humility, knowing ourselves, gives forgiveness, gives spiritual life, gives peace and eternal blessing. Pride is the greatest barrier between you and God. It is the great destroyer. It is the very epicenter of sin. Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, the humble we read, but the proud he knoweth afar off. 
You remember, some of you will, and perhaps those new to the Bible do not know of this account, but there is an account in Scripture about a man called Naaman. And he had leprosy. And it was a, a message came to him through a very young believer who was a servant of his wife's, and uh, uh, she was a, a believing uh, girl, young girl, and she said to her mistress, who then told her husband, his, her master, that there's a prophet who could cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman arrives at the house of the prophet, eventually arrives there, he's sent there to the house of the prophet. The prophet doesn't even come out of the house. But he sends a message to Naaman. He said, go and wash in the river Jordan seven times. And Naaman, who was a mighty warrior, a commander of a great army, was very angry. He was offended. He, he thought there was going to be a big show. And, and Elijah, Elijah would do a great uh, 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 sign and wonder. And he better talk about it when he got back to Damascus. Oh, he said, are oh, not the rivers of Syria. They're far bigger and better than this little river Jordan. And he went away in a rage, we are told. Pride was working. But his wife's servants came to him and they said, if he had commanded you to do, to do some big thing, would you not have done it? How much more if he just says to you, go and wash and dip in the Jordan seven times? And that word came with conviction to him. And he humbled himself. And he went and he dipped in the river Jordan seven times and he was cleansed. And that is an example to us. We come just as we are with the leprosy of sin. We humble ourselves before God and we are washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin, friends. That's how we come. The second step is humility. The third step is submit yourselves unto God uh, your whole life. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist uh, the devil. Submit yourselves to God. You see, we are independent by nature. James uh, dealt with that issue as I read to you in verses 13, 15. But the Lord taught us uh, in his prayer, uh, 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 thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. Oh, it, it means here to submit to God, to acknowledge his lordship over your life. To submit to his way of salvation, Jesus only. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It is to acknowledge the authority of the word of God over your life. The only way of salvation in Jesus Christ the Lord. To follow his commands which are not grievous when followed in faith and in love. Uh, to rely upon his strength and his wisdom and his sovereignty over your life. When the Apostle Paul was converted he was a very proud Pharisee. He behaved according to his tradition and his religion and he thought it was his duty before God to kill and to imprison Christians until he met with the Lord Jesus. And it all changed. His glorious light was before him, blinding him with the glory of the person of Jesus Christ. And this was his question, the first question in his spiritual pilgrimage. Lord, 
Lord, what would thou have us me to do? What would you have me to do? A rebel made a child. Lord, what would you have me to do in my life? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Well, there is an account of the captain of a ship and he looked into the dark night and he saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately he told his sickle man, send a message, alter your course ten degrees south. Promptly a return message was received, alter your course ten degrees north. The captain was angry and his command had been ignored so he sent a second message, alter your course ten degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course ten degrees north. I am seaman, third class, Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message. Knowing the fear it would invoke. Alter your course ten degrees south. I am a battleship. And then the reply came. Alter your course ten degrees north. I am a lighthouse. And think about this. The wisest thing to do for us is to alter our course and take warning from the lighthouse of God's word rather than be wrecked on the rocks. The third step is to submit ourselves unto God. The fourth step is to resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are by nature so susceptible uh, to the devil's influences. And by nature, our resistance to the devil, Satan, is weak. It's ineffective. We succumb to temptation. Uh, we allow in our lives to be molded uh, by the wisdom of the world that knows not God. We're given so easily to unbelief by nature, to the pull of the world, the fashion of the world. We become driven people. We excuse ourselves and we attempt to belittle and sanitize sin and make it seem an unimportant issue. All these things we do by nature and we do not recognize the devil as the monster, the roaring lion that he really is and we give ground to him by nature. But James says to us here that if we resist the devil he will flee from us. And this exercise of resistance is so helpful in the battle against the enemy of souls. Resistance to uh, the devil uh, is a sure way of demonstrating a change in our life is taking place. No, I no longer feel comfortable in the nightclub. I no longer feel comfortable getting drunk in the pub. I no longer feel comfortable watching an 18 rated film. It makes me feel uncomfortable. The Lord is working in my life. There's a conviction going on and I'm going to resist the devil with God's help. By nature we run to do evil. But there has to be a resistance. We're no longer Satan's flexible friend and follower. Well, resistance is a fruit of true repentance. It shows that our direction has changed to God ward instead of Satan ward. We take our leave of the devil in repentance as the leader of our life and we draw near unto God that he might lead us now in our life. 
We resist the devil by believing and using the word of God. As Christ set us that example, we resist the devil by putting all our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour. And we resist the devil by acknowledging Christ as the Lord of our lives. And this is as the Spirit of God is working in us, moving us to this repentance and faith and a desire to draw near unto God. We resist the devil when we pray unto the Lord. The fourth step is to resist the devil. The fifth step here is to draw near to God by faith. This is our final step this evening. The fifth step is to draw near to God by faith. Verse 8, draw near to God. And here is the promise. He will draw near unto you. Isn't that a wonderful promise this evening? We're encouraged to come to God. And there is only one way in which we can make this step, and that is by repentance and by faith. Repentance of our sin and faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. We draw near to God, not trusting in ourselves. We draw near to God, trusting in the merits of Christ Jesus, in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, in the finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross, in the intercession of Jesus Christ, in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, all that he is. And we come to God through him. And the wonder of it is that God receives us in Christ Jesus, cleansed through Christ. We draw near, pleading the precious blood of Jesus Christ in prayer. We don't come to God like the Pharisee did. The Pharisee went into the temple and he prayed, I'm glad I'm not like other men. I do all this and I do all that. And God resisted that man. He didn't even accept his prayer at all. He rejected his prayer. But there was one other man in the temple. And he came in and his head was bowed. He didn't even look up. He looked down. And this was his prayer. God be merciful to me, the sinner. As far as he was concerned, he was not looking laterally, not looking horizontally. He was only looking to God, the God of mercy. I am the sinner, and only the God's mercy will do for me. Oh God, be merciful to me. That was his prayer, friends. And we read the Lord accepted that prayer. And he received the mercy of God. This is how we draw near to God. Remember, uh, there's another account, and I want to just to bring to your attention as we come to conclusion. We read of a woman who was washing the feet of Jesus, and the host at that time was a man called Simon. And he said to the Lord Jesus, if you knew what type of woman this was, you wouldn't even let her touch you. But Jesus knew all about that woman. And she'd looked to the Lord Jesus for salvation and been freely forgiven. And her love was overwhelming 
She couldn't do enough for the Lord Jesus to show her love and thankfulness. And Jesus said to Simon, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor, he said, who had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he freely forgave them both. And so tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon said, I suppose that he who to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See, is this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest no, me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, because she'd been forgiven much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same love is little. If we have a little view of sin, we'll have a little view of the Saviour. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven thee. There's another example. Esther the Queen. In the Old Testament, she approached the king, who was her husband at the time of that particular event no one could go unless invited nevertheless encouraged by her uncle Mordecai she ventured by faith into that situation to save her people who were threatened with murder and the king saw her in the courtyard outside awaiting to come in and he reached forth his golden scepter and that was a sign she'd gained access and she came in dependent upon that sign of the golden scepter and this is a picture this evening of the golden scepter of access whereby we can approach God and draw near unto God through Christ Jesus we're not coming to a proud king not knowing his response we're not coming to an earthly king but to a holy just and merciful God of love, friends. And as we come to God, we draw near unto him, pleading the Lord Jesus Christ as our golden scepter of access. God delights to receive us in Christ Jesus. We draw near unto him, and he draws near unto, he draws near unto us because of the Lord Jesus Christ because of his only beloved Son, and he views us in Christ Jesus. This is how we come to God. Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. And as you come to God, trusting in the merits of your dear Saviour, God will come near to you in Christ, and he will bless you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, because God delights in mercy. He is the God of all grace, and he delights to be gracious. May the Lord help us to come. Amen. Let us pray.
Gracious God, we thank and praise Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for the many, many encouragements that are for us and how we might come to God through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we do pray this evening that we might be graciously moved by the Spirit of God in our lives to come just as we are, looking unto Jesus and be received in him, drawing near unto God, that he might draw near unto us. In the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.